Welcome back to Season 3 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Stefano Bini. In this series of podcasts, we are highlighting the best presentations from the January 2020 San Francisco Digital Orthopedics Conference, otherwise known as DOCSF, presented in partnership with UCSF's Department of Orthopedic Surgery, and the November 2019 DOCSF Berlin Conference, presented in partnership with Frontiers Health. On this episode six of season three, we bring you the first case study. At DOCSF, the case studies follow the focus lectures and are designed to make the theory of the lectures practical realities. To do so, we ask a successful digital health company to explain how they were able to deploy their technology in the healthcare space. We will now listen to Niraj Bavari, CEO of Tagnos, explain to our moderator, Roberto Schone, CEO of Healthware International, and his panel of experts, just how RFID technology and artificial intelligence can partner to solve complex scheduling challenges in the operating room setting. Let's join Niraj on the DOCSF stage. So the problems we solve are related to the fact that there are slow OR room turnovers going on in America. We actually partnered with a surgery consulting company and they told us they have 500 hospitals and the room turnover time is between 35 to 40 minutes in general. Whereas if you can get it down to under 25 minutes, you are in the top quartile. And if you can get it down to under 22 minutes, you're in the top 10th percentile. So that's the problem we're solving. I know that on-time starts is a very big issue, and I'll give you examples of how we solve that. And we actually learn from the historical data of what happened in the past in the OR, and with that, we're able to predict the case length. And today, we use that mainly to give guidance on when a case will finish in an OR so that the EVS cleaning crew and support services can get in. So... I'm sure everybody you know, heard about Internet of Things and RFID. That's what we do, right? So we were able to tag the patient with a very lightweight tag. I'm going to show you a picture in the next slide. And we use that tracking data, and mainly the patient, in some cases, uh, some equipment in the OR. Staff is completely optional. We also do quite a bit of ER patient flow, and in that case, this one St. Joseph Hospital, a Providence Hospital, that's actually tracking staff in ER. But other than that, we mainly look for patients wearing a tag. And as they're moving, obviously, you know, we're able to track the location of where the patient is. And then we're able to automate all sorts of workflow to really make the hospital very, very lean. The only integration that we need is the integration with the EHR for the ADT feed which is the admission discharge transfer feed, and that to outbound. Everything else you, you see on the slide, well, it's not in the slide, but we typically also in ER integrated with CPOE and labs and radiology, but in OR, just the scheduled feed is what we need. And as they're moving, as the patients are moving in the service line, are we able to automate the workflow? So this is a sample journey of the patient inside the OR. And the case study that I'm gonna walk you through in the next slide, uh, the problem we're, that we were asked to solve, they were at an OR room turnover time of 28 minutes. And like I said before, if you get it down to under 25 minutes, you are in the top quartile. 
And that's the goal Adventist Health White Moral had. And along the way, they wanted to see if tracking patients can improve patient experience and also on-time starts. And like you see on the slide, what we do is typically as a patient is moving, we're able to, what we call as a Tagnos bot, is able to send messages at all times. So for example, if the patient is brought into pre-op, the Tagnos bot would automatically text, you know, the, the patient care technicians and nurse that are responsible to prepare the patient in the pre-op about the fact that the patient is actually in the pre-op and the clock is ticking. And so like that, as the patient is moving from admission to registration to pre-op, op recovery, at all times the Tagnos bot is pushing messages and thereby forcing a response. And oftentimes the response could be manual. Like you see on the slide here, on the left-hand side, I'm showing you two phones there, uh, Zebra and possibly the other phone would be an Apple phone. Zebra is invested into Tagnos, full disclosure. But if, if you look at the phone that's hiding behind and the blue buttons that you see on the bottom, right, those are the manual responses, for example, that we can trigger. And that's how we're bringing in efficiencies. You know, as, as the patient is moving, the bot is automatically sending some messages through the patient wearing the tag. So it's as if now you're given the power to the patient saying, I'm here. I'm fasting on my DF procedure. I'm in pre-op. And you better open up the OR room because my experience is getting compromised. That's the power this platform can provide. So like I mentioned before, the goal was to get it down from 28 minutes to under 25 minutes. It took about six months of implementation. Well, we were up and running in four to six weeks, but to actually get the usage of the phones and get the system to use optimally and then achieve the desired result uh, took about six months. The OR room turnover time at this hospital is now measuring at 24.3. So as time progresses, the turnaround time is reducing. And also the on-time starts, we're at 70% at this hospital. They actually wanted to get to 80%. They didn't expect that to happen because on-time starts, as you all know, is often because the surgeon is arriving late. And it's, 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 it's very hard to solve that problem other than if you have a machine like Tagnos, that's measuring data, then the discussion becomes a little bit more objective. But then what we also provide is something called the Hawthorne effect. If you measure something, things automatically get better. And the fact that it's the machine that's measuring the patient getting wheeled in and not a nurse putting in that time did make a significant impact on the on-time starts as well. Before I get to lessons learned, I wanted to walk you through how the implementation were done. So we had to install beacons, the RFID beacons, and we actually went in middle of the night at 12 o'clock and uh, in about four hours, literally installed the beacons throughout the OR, throughout the journey of the patient in the OR. And these are simple battery-operated devices. We actually install it at the height of the ceiling, but we don't touch the ceiling because we know in California, for example, touching a hospital ceiling involves all sorts of uh, complications and slows down the install. These are less than half-pound devices, and we can fast-track the OSHPOD process, which is really the regulatory you know, compliance that we need to install these devices. And once those devices were installed, then we actually had to work with the nurses and the ancillary support teams 
to figure out their patient flows and, and set and set up the patient flows into our system. Then, of course, we needed the IT to work with us and give the scheduled feed, which is just an outbound ADT feed, which is commoditized and simple to get. One lesson that we learned since the early days of Tagnos is to always, always, always engage the nurses. And if not, you know, your IT implementations can fail and fail really bad. You know, we have about 12 hospitals now and three, you know, that we've signed contracts. We have about 15 hospitals, but one of our implementations did not go well because when we knew the CEO of the hospital and we got a contract signed, it was a second hospital. And during implementation, we had all sorts of challenges, you know, dealing with the nurses simply because we forgot or we made a mistake to not engage the nurses during the pre-sales process and went, there, went to them for implementation. The chief nursing officer didn't like us at all. And, and from that day onwards, I make it a point to make friends with every single nursing leader that's out there. And we actually sent flowers for you know, Nurses Week, OR Nurses Week, ER Nurses Week, any excuse that we can find, we make sure we send chocolates and flowers to the hospitals. So that's a big lesson learned. And also, you, you have to engage the support services, you know, whether it's EVS uh, cleaning crew or transportation, you have to engage them. And that's important as well. In fact, a lot of the companies like Wasera, for example, are targeting nurses for the, for the mobile workforce. But then you have other mobile workers like the support services, uh, cleaning crew and transporters that are very important as well. So the other thing is we, we had to figure out a place where, a central place where we can charge all the phones. That was probably, you know, one important thing logistically to make sure that every day the phones are picked up. And, you know, if you, if you charge it at one place, then it became easier to make sure that the logistics of making sure of the assignment of phones is all done properly. And, of course, we had to figure out the method of collecting the tags in a drop box and making sure the cleaning crew can actually clean the tags and bring it back to that meeting window. So that finishes my time, and I hope uh, you like the presentation. And I was told that there are other panelists that would join me at this point and uh, help with the Q&A. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I uh, will be moderating the discussion. Thanks, Stefano, for having me. Stefano asked me to quickly and briefly self-introduce myself. I'm Roberto Ascione. Of course, I'm Italian. And I'm uh, trained as a doctor, but I got polluted early on with computer science. So I trained as a doctor, but I decided to combine the two things. So I founded a company that I'm still CEO for after acquisition and the merger called Healthware. We are a boutique consultancy of a couple of hundred people within US and Europe. We help uh, life sciences, medical devices companies to strategize about what today we call digital health. Back 20 years ago was not. And that's what we do. We do that in a collaborative way with the startup ecosystem. And I'm also chairman of Frontiers Health, the global conference on digital health, in fact. So this is more than enough about me. So I want to call one by one the panelists that will have the discussion, hands-on questions about the technology we just saw. So the first one is Dr. Tobias Winkler. And meanwhile, Tobias, if you can join me. Tobias is a orthopedic and trauma surgeon at the Center for Musculoskeletal Surgery at the Charity Hospital in Berlin. And uh, among a number of things, I picked up some. He got an innovation award by the German Society for Orthopedic and Traumatology. So I think this is the main reason why you are here in the panel. Uh, 
The next one up is Dr. Jamie Calouette. Jamie, if you want to come over, is uh, chair of orthopedic surgery at the Oak Memorial Hospital. And I picked another highlight in the long list of achievements and titles. <laughs> Jamie, please. He has been involved in the design and research of many surgical devices, and especially catch my attention, the software instrumentation designed for computer-assisted knee surgery. And is focusing on healthcare economics and payment redesign and value-based orthopedic surgery. So welcome. And last but not least, of course, Dr. Ziv Kane. Please, Ziv. Ziv is an sociology and pediatrician entrepreneur and innovator. That's the accurate description. And what caught my attention here is the work and many publications, I have to say, around the concept of clinical value-based care models in the perioperative surgical care. Okay, so the brief introduction for every one of them was about two pages, so just so you know. So there's a lot on the panel for, for sure. So the purpose of the session, I'm also receiving the question on the second iPad, is really to understand deeper the technology, the kind of practical issues and problems that, that you're trying to solve. So I'll ask one first question, and then I'll ask my other panelists to come along. Super short answers, please, so that we can ask you more how the idea of the product came about in super synthetic words. So I went to business school at UCLA and we had a healthcare collaborator there uh, between the School of Business, School of Engineering, School of Public Health. And we had ideation labs. And in one such ideation lab, it's a professor who actually told the group that there's a lot of inefficiency in hospitals who wants to solve the problem. And I lifted my hand and the rest is history. But UCLA Foundation is also, by the way, a seed investor into the company. Okay. So it was problem-based. Okay. Cool. So, who wants to go first? So, Niraj, Ron, right? Tell me, there are many different types of hospitals, large level one trauma centers, small boutique hospitals, specialty hospitals. What's the optimal type of hospital where you think you can have your greatest impact? So, by focus, we look at hospitals greater than 100 bed in size. And typically, the hospitals that we engage with have about 6 to 10 OR rooms. There's one hospital that wants to talk to us that has four OR rooms, but that's that's pretty rare for us. So, sort of mid-sized hospitals. Yes. I mean, I would say mid and maybe slightly lower than mid yeah. and then higher, obviously. Okay. Yeah, let me add to this question. Uh, different hospitals have different problems. And so, I assume that you did a, a problem analysis at the beginning and you saw where actually the delays are in the system. Did you do that and how did it did it look like and how did you react to that? Yeah, so most of the time when during the sales process, the CEO or the nursing leadership will ask us to come in and do an assessment uh, even before they sign contracts with us. And we were doing, we were solving too many problems, honestly, initially during the early days of the company. Uh, we have much clearer focus now. And today we say, hey, can you solve your room turnover problem and on-time starts problem? and Typically, it's a, it's a pretty greenfield opportunity for us. If we go into any hospital today, they are struggling either with the room turnover problem and on-time starts problem. So I'm not sure if I answered your question. Everybody is struggling with the room turnover. Well, that's for, for sure. Uh, my question is in the direction you have different 
different problems. The anesthesia, anesthesia sometimes is delaying, the transport is sometimes delaying, the surgical time is sometimes a problem, and then the time from the order of... Sorry, did you say anesthesia delaying? We never did Sorry that. for that. <laughs> <laughs> I only put it first that it's quickly <laughs> after us. So did you make this problem analysis where the delays are in each hospital before you implement your system, or you just let the system run and see it afterward? So most of the time, the I know exactly what you're asking, but I probably don't have enough data points to answer that. Typically, when they call us, they know that they want to solve a room turnover problem, long-time start problem. And then between the two, they know which one they can solve better. And most of the time, they think it's the room turnover that they can solve easily because they think uh, it's the cleaning crew or the transporter and, and the coordination and the communication that's lacking. On-time starts, like I mentioned before, usually they know it's a problem, but then they also know it's a hard problem to solve. So turnover time. Why do you think it's an important question? And, and I'll just qualify it, right? Hospital administrators think it's a real problem. You've seen what Dr. Bozak has presented, the, the theory. He showed three cases in the room, right? In an eight-hour period, what is the total turnover time? maybe uh, 60 minutes. Now you have shaved three minutes for each case. You have shaved a total of six minutes from throughout the day. The cost structure of the hospital is fixed. Patient experience will not be affected really by three minutes. So my question is, is it really a problem? And I can tell you that back to when I was at Yale, we, we looked at 30,000 cases and we looked at the percentage of, of time that turnover time actually plays throughout the day. And it's literally like 5 or 6% that you can, you can move there. And so I know that hospital administrators, I was one as well, like to harp on it. But practically speaking, you cannot do anything. Even if you cut down by three minutes, which you did very nicely, so what? You can't really put another case in. So why do you guys kind of decided to tackle that issue? Sure. The quick answer would be that when you implement a technology like this, you have to show value manifold. I mean, it can't be just room turnover, right? If you can measure on-time starts, if you can measure cycle time, if you can show that the entire journey of the patient, you remove the chaos and the patient moment is more predictable, and you made the system more lean, then obviously, you know, and then the patient experience, the communication with the patient, the family, all of that put together, then becomes very valuable. Now, specifically answering your question, in the case of White Memorial, they were doing an average of five turns, you know, and then we calculated 15 minutes. For example, we were, uh, we were pitching to a Kaiser hospital. And I'm not saying not all Kaiser hospitals, but most Kaiser hospitals are having a room turnover of, you know, 20 minutes, 19 minutes. How do you sell to a Kaiser hospital when they're already in top 5%? And our answer to that is that we can sustain that level of service. Uh, you know, if you have a machine that's tracking, uh, you know, literally 24 by 7 or whatever the time of the OR time is, uh, then we're able to hardwire the process improvement or that excellence, right? Otherwise, what we've seen is hospitals take control of the OR room turnover and then it slips back. They try to bring it back, it slips back. It's a pretty problematic from, from that standpoint. 
First of all, I think your technology is fantastic. Let's just start with that. My challenge as someone who ran operating rooms for 25 years is that I'm not sure there's a tremendous added value in these particular settings. And by the way, you have systems already like Epic that actually the nurse just pushes the button. I agree with you. It's better than what you guys are doing. But in reality, the delta that you're going to have is not amazing. So I'm just worried about the added value part of your technology in the case scenario of a particular operating room. That's all. Sure. And I think, you know, just to add on to the answer, like we partnered with a surgery consulting company and they were telling us that most of the hospitals in their customer list has a turnover time of between 35 to 40 minutes. Now, if we can get them down to 25 or 20, then you're talking maybe, of course, you're laughing. I know it's hard and it's going to be gradual, but the statement I'm trying to make is that the room turnovers in, in America are slow. And we can make it better. And yes, you know, three-minute improvement may not be much depending on how we look at it. But if we can actually make a bigger improvement, right, other hospitals or most hospitals, then maybe there's enough ROI. You know, one question I have, if I'm sort of shifting gears a little bit, obviously it involves more than just putting an RFID tag on the patient. It involves incorporating software into the hospital. In our hospital, and I think in most hospitals, the IT department is loath to have anyone touch the EHR system. And in addition, if you're also required to carry another phone or another walkie-talkie or another something around, that's another challenge. So how do you overcome both the fact that for Epic, which is what we're on, you know, they lock out all of the smaller vendors? That's number one. And number two, our crews are already carrying a phone that's a hospital-based phone around, do they have to carry a second phone or can this be incorporated into their existing phone? So, so first of all, the Providence Health Corporate, the Technology Investment Council, approved us to do a pilot at Strangers of Orange. Uh, we went live last week, last Monday. I'm hoping that we would do a good job there and we would be hitting Hogue after that. But to your point, I was at Auctioner Health uh, at the flagship hospital. I spent three hours on the floor interacting with the nurses and they use Epic over there. And obviously, the nurses don't want to toggle between Epic and Tagnos, right? They hate that. And so we literally designed a way to use our system, right, without the toggle. They have Epic Rover phones over there, and we're integrating our intelligence to that phone that they're already carrying. And it's as if we don't need any wall space, no dashboards, no software, right? All that we're requiring there is that meeting you know, is assigning the tag to the patient and then the phones take over, right? And they're not changing their workflows, they're not toggling. Yeah, I'm uh, just trying to also squeeze some questions coming from the audience, which are quite a bit. So the first one comes from Elon Musk, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a picture, I'll take a picture of the mini pad here. So the question goes one step back, which is about the ROI. So the question is, do you model the proposed solution and provide an ROI for the solution and guarantee an outcome, have you had any failures or were wrong in some cases? Yeah, like I gave you an example before, there, there is a community hospital in California where we didn't engage the nurses and, you know, it was, it was not very well received. And uh, there was a second hospital, the technology was also not very robust, the tags were not working. And in healthcare, one thing is for sure, even if your technology works 200%, 
you may still fail because there's something called adoption psychology and which is pretty difficult in healthcare. If your technology doesn't work, then God bless you. That's what happened to us at a second hospital. Okay, there's a quick another one that is connected. Have you ever implemented in an hospital with more than 30 ORs? So we've done a CAC USC that has 25 ORs. That's probably the closest to 30 ORs. Uh, although we've signed a contract with Ascension Health uh, that has 34 ORs uh, that hasn't gone live yet. Okay. Thomas, you want to? Yeah. A lot of different institutions try to optimize the patient path in large programs. So the patient path from the entry in the, into the hospital until the exit and even before and after pre-rehabilitation as well. You took a very small part of this. You did this on purpose, of course, but I, th I also see the problem to connect with the bigger systems, actually, because they will actually, there is a danger that they overroll your small system because they just Im have implemented this in their bigger systems. So how did you plan your strategy to address this? So today we are focused very heavily on OR room turnover on time starts because that's where we're getting the biggest attention from the marketplace. Like Z was saying, you know, whether that's an important problem to solve or not, people give us a lot of meetings and there's a lot of attention and they want to solve that problem. But we also do ER patient flow, for example. We do cath lab. We do radiology. We've done GI lab, mammo lab, and we've done clinics. We've signed contract with the Ellison Cancer Institute at Beverly Hills. Larry Ellison donated a lot of money to start a cancer hospital in Beverly Hills. So we're going to be tracking patients at that cancer clinic. So we are expanding to other use cases, but we are venture-backed and the board demands focus with that. And so, yes, you know, we're very focused on OR and ER, uh, but, but we are signing other service lines as well. So a two-parter. First, you think that the decrease of the three minutes was because the environmental services went earlier to the room? That's correct. At this hospital, before Tagnos, the EVS cleaning crew would take anywhere from three minutes to 20 minutes to respond. Post-diagnosis, that became zero minutes to one minute, 45 seconds. In fact, in some cases, we had data coming back with minus. Why do you think they took them so long to respond before? It's, it's the fact that there's no automation, there's no transparency, there's no electronic trail of any communication, and everything is analog, everything is manual. I call, you are not available. You know, so... Okay. Uh, so the, the, the transparency basically brings the productivity. Yeah. So, and again, you have to be careful because whilst you'll implement it with places that use Epic, the minute you leave the OR, they, Epic actually sends a text message to EVS and they have to come. But anyway, a different question. Did you think about actually tagging the patient at home? And the reason is because that's a real problem for the surgeons, for example, to know they're operating, they're in the middle of the case, where's the next case? Are they in admission? Are they halfway in the highway? Are they at home? That would be very interesting. I'm thinking it will make the surgeons happy. So <laughs> uh, at Ascension, the chairman of surgery wants us to engage the patient and the family the night before, mm -hmm. send them a text message saying, hey, your surgery is coming up tomorrow morning. Make sure to fast after midnight because a lot of times they have patients coming in eating and that, 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 you know, obviously generates a lot of chaos as well. And then also remind them in the morning at 5 a.m. saying, hey, it's about time you start driving to the hospital. So, uh, yes, I mean. I that, but that's, that's a different. And actually, there are applications out there like Seamless SIMD and WellBe that do that continuously from about two weeks before surgery. I was asking about actually tagging the patient so you will know where the patient is 
throughout the process. I see the surgeons smiling. They know what I mean. Yeah. And, you know, the technology is not ready oh. for that. What we have is demands beacons inside the hospital. I think this thing in 5G or IoT and they would be like omnipresent readers. But, you know, the technology is not there where you can track seamlessly from home to the hospital. Got it. What's the barrier to entry for Cerner or Epic to not do this themselves? They've already got the entire hospital ecosystem under wrap with their EHR. And couldn't they add this to what they're already doing? So we all know that the adoption of EHR went from 10% to 98% today. So if I was CEO of Cerner or Epic, which I'm not, but if I was, then I would focus on all the clinical data that I have from the patients, right? So much to mine and so much more use cases to go after. What we find is logistics is not their focus of the EHRs at this point. What hospital CEOs are telling us is that EHRs are a good recording device. You do something, you record. You do something, you record. What EHRs are not good at is then driving the workflow to the last mile on the floor and closing loop, which is what Tagnos does, which, which is actually, it looks simple, but it shifts the paradigm completely. And it's hard for EHRs to really grasp that. Okay, we are close to wrap up. Given theme is execution is everything, I'll pick a couple that are about this. So how long was the training period for the hospital staff to get on board? And what was the acceptance is another one? Because there's no manual input into our system, other than the fact that you have to do one click to tag the patient to that appointment, the training was very minimal. Obviously, you have to educate on how the messages come, how they respond. So in half a day, we were able to train. We scheduled, blocked out four hours for the staff to come in and go out. So the training was very minimal and easy. Okay. couple other quick one is RFID technology. That's correct. That's what we use today. Mm-hmm. We are obviously looking at other ways to track data, right? We are agnostic. We are a workflow software company. We don't care. Like a hospital wants to do the OR room turnover with Alexa. Uh, we're going to try that to make it more lightweight. So we're always looking for any kind of tracking technology, which is even more lightweight than an IoT, for example. Okay. Is it the technology more about predicting resource needs rather than on time starts? Today, we're focusing room turnover on time starts, but then... The data that we generate does allow the CFO or the OR director to look at the business that they're generating in any pay cycle in 15-day period and the staffing hours that they're paying for. And oftentimes, when they look at Tagnos data, usually they're staffed based on hearsay, but when they look at their data for coming from Tagnos, it's usually eye-opening for them. They know when the peak volumes are, when, when there's less traffic, and they can optimize staffing, absolutely. And, and in fact, this hospital has already done that. Okay, I'll ask you another one that Elon unfortunately left the room, but if he were here, he would ask you, can you anonymously aggregate data from multiple hospitals and kind of mine those data as one? So when we sign contracts with hospitals, we put in a clause saying that we own the de-identified data along with the hospital. Uh, so we are targeting future benchmarking and somebody very, very close to Elon Musk is a seed investor into a company. So, Okay. In fact, the saying is back in my look at the company. Okay, Steph, are we good or anyone from you guys? Maybe you uh, one. I'm, it's, I'm not the economic guy, but can you name the, the two major other players in the field and how you differentiate from them? Sure. The popular one we run into is LeanTest. I know there was a chairman of surgery from UT Austin that presented OpenTable. So LeanTest does an open table for block utilization, which is what we are currently in developmental mode with one of the hospitals. that, um, But... 
they don't do OR room turnover workflow. They can't impact what's happening on the ground in real time. So there's a distinct difference between, we're pretty complementary. In fact, you could go to lean test and have a partnership or with open table and have a partnership. So these are two separate areas, but there's a, you know, from this lot of land grabbing happening, right? From a running a business standpoint, lean test is gaining ground and we're trying to catch up. Okay. There are just a couple of ones I can combine in one, which is interesting. When there's a lot of volume and you generate a lot of notifications, did you manage this already? Because the volume can be high in terms of notification that the system generates. Yeah, and usually we use the hospital's IT messaging platform, right? Whatever they're using currently. So the messages that we are generating would be hardly 0.1% of the entire traffic that's being pushed to the messaging bus. So we haven't seen that problem yet. Okay, good. I think that one of your opportunities... That's is, the very last one, guys. Just Okay. Step it is not necessarily the OR turnover time, but also the entire journey. So, for example, when the patient comes in in the morning, the first thing they do is they typically go to the admissions office, right? They sit. I'm talking about large hospitals. They sit there. Then they go from there to the pre-admission area. They sit there. Then they go to the our holding room. They sit there. So, it would be interesting to look at the entire flow and where bottlenecks are. I think that's actually can be very valuable with large, with again, with large hospitals to see where get patients stuck for long periods of time. They can sit easily 30 minutes in the admissions office and honestly, nobody would know because nobody cares because their time in the OR is not yet, but your patient experience may be affected. So those are the things that you may want to look at. It's the entire journey don't just focus on the turnover time. That's just my Absolutely. I think what we usually see is the on-time starts room turnover. And we've actually measured wait times at a hospital to impact the patient experience course. In fact, that's how we positioned the company until last year. We now changed it to more about uh, operating efficiency. Um, we thought the patient experience budgets are there. We can go after that. That really didn't work. So we, we pivoted a little bit, but we still... When we sell, we try to sell it as a package of efficiency and experience put together. Good. Okay. I think our time is up. So thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of season three of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast and that you heard something that will trigger your curiosity and advance your digital journey. Many of the examples we bring you are outside of orthopedics, but the technologies and solutions we present are all eminently translatable to musculoskeletal care. Please consider giving us a review on your podcast platform so other people can find us. More importantly, tell a friend about our amazing community. We look forward to sharing the next episode with you. I am your host, Stefano Bini, founder and chair of both the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco and this the Digital Orthopedics Podcast.